grab your Bibles and um, get them ready to be, to be read. We're in a series we're calling our Living Stones series. And the text that we are using for this entire series is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so let's revisit that verse as a text for our entire series. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. The general thought in this series is that God is a builder and God has a kingdom agenda on this planet. How many of you know that? We don't serve a static God just sitting up in heaven doing nothing. He's got an agenda on this planet. And in his sovereignty, God has chosen to include you and I in what he's doing on this planet. Again, I stand with my statement that that was a bad choice. That he would want to partner with me. Right? It's like he could find a better partner than me and you. But he has chosen to, to use us. We are the raw materials that God is building with on this planet. This verse calls you and I living stones. Just kind of whisper to your neighbor, you're a living stone. It also calls us holy priests. Go ahead and say that too. I know they don't look like it, but that's what they are. They're holy priests. And so God is doing something on this planet and you and I are the building materials that he's using to build his kingdom agenda on this planet. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're looking back in the Old Testament. How many of you know that the Old Testament is still relevant today? So we're looking back in the Old Testament and we're gonna look at some things that were actually physically built in the Old Testament and see if we can find spiritual application for today from things that were built thousands of years ago. Because what the Old Testament does, you need to know this, ready? The Old Testament gives us physical pictures of spiritual truths. So we see things in the Old Testament, it's a spiritual principle or a picture that's applicable to our lives, even though it's thousands of years later. So I wanna show you three things this morning that were physically built in the Old Testament, and then we're gonna see if we can't have a practical application for you and I here today. Now we're gonna begin I want to recap Joshua chapter four with you. Remember the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. The, the setting for this whole chapter is this, that remember Moses had been the leader of Israel, had led them out of Egypt, led them into the, the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. They were heading toward a destination. The destination is what we call the promised land. It was the actual geographical land that God was giving to the nation of Israel. And so they were heading there, but they never made it to the promised land under the leadership of Moses. But God raised up a man named Joshua. And so as Moses died, Joshua took the leadership role over Israel. And it was his job to bring them into the promised land. 
So this land that they had been hearing about, this land that they had scouted out, Joshua was going to bring them into it. And so God's giving instructions to Joshua there on the bank of the Jordan River there. The Jordan River was the, was the boundary line that once they crossed that, they would be in their land or what we call the promised land. And so God is giving Joshua instructions on how they, were, they are to enter the promised land. And here's, here's the instructions. First of all, Joshua, God tells Joshua, you're gonna gather all the people and you're gonna put the priests up front who carry the Ark of the Covenant. The priests are gonna go first. How many of you know, church, that in everything we do, we should follow the presence of God? It's his presence, it's about him. And so we're gonna put the presence of God up front. And at this time of the year, the Jordan River would have been swelled. It would have been overflowing its banks because it's in the rainy season. And so this is a turbulent, a turbulent body of water they're trying to cross. The instruction was that when these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, the presence of God would go in front. And when the feet of the priests touched the water, that God would do this. He would, he would stop the flow of the Jordan River. The water coming from upstream heading downstream would be stopped and it would build up in, in a heap right there. How many of you read that and would love to see it though? Like, show me what that looks like. Show me what a heap of water, anybody ever seen a heap of water? Come on, we're in Southwest Louisiana. We've seen water do everything. I've never seen it heap. It built up into a heap of water and it would stop the flow of the Jordan River and then they would be able to cross on dry land. And so Joshua gives the instructions, they head out, the priest, how would you like to be that first priest? All right? But when that first priest, when his foot got in the water, it, it, it stopped and water heaped up. And the priest stood there in the river and and all the Israelites crossed the river there on dry ground. But God had given Joshua more specific instructions while they were crossing. There was 12 tribes in, in Israel. It's one nation, but it's made up by 12 tribes. And God told Joshua, he said, tell the tribes to pick one man per tribe. This will be the representative man. And that while this man is crossing, this one man from each tribe is crossing the river, they are to pick up a stone from in the river. Pick up a stone and carry it with them. And when we get to the other side and we get to the place where we're gonna camp tonight, what I want you to do is have these 12 men with these 12 stones. And from there, you are to stack those stones and we're gonna make a memorial with those stones. They're called, in Jewish history, they're called stones of remembrance. It's a memorial made up of 12 stones. Why did this happen? Well, look with me in Joshua chapter four, beginning in verse 21, and we'll get the why behind this activity. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. 
He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. The command was build a memorial, these stones of remembrance. And the reason, the reason is this. Now, remember we say that in, in this teaching, we're gonna talk about a lot, of, a lot of Bible symbolism. Well, even numbers in the Bible, there, there's symbolism attached to numbers. Now, how many stones were there? 12. The number 12 in biblical symbolism is, is, it means several things. First of all, it means the power and authority of God. Second, it's, it's the number of government. And thirdly, it's, it's government foundation or governmental foundation. So the instruction was build this memorial out of stones. And there's gonna be 12 of them. And the reason we want you to do that is because one day your children are gonna walk by here. It may be your grandchildren, maybe your great-grandchildren, but they're gonna walk by this and they're gonna see that pile of stones and they're gonna ask the question, what is this about? And it's gonna give you the opportunity to talk about the power of God, his provision, his faithfulness. It's a memorial built to the power of God. And you're gonna get to tell the story of God to your children, not only to your children, but the nations around you are going to see this. So God instructed Joshua, Joshua instructed the people, 12 stones built as a memorial, stones of remembrance. What does this mean for us today? What would be the application for us all these thousands of years later? Here's, here's where I believe it applies to us is that God has called us living stones. And I believe that God, that God would have us govern our lives. Remember 12 is the number of government. I believe that God would have us govern our lives as believers in such a way that when our children look at us, they see the power and authority of God. Here's what that means. When they watch Jody live his life they would say, Jody doesn't live according to how Jody wants to live. Jody's life is submitted to his Lord because Jesus is not just our savior, he's our Lord. And the call is for us as believers today to live in such a way that our life, our life would show the governing power and authority. My life is submitted to the one who paid his life for me. Not only that, Number 12 is it's about foundations. It's about governmental foundations. And you know, I think as our children and as even our neighbors and as the people we work with, when they see the way we govern our lives, when they see us live our lives, imagine them saying, you know, if I were to take Jody and, and strip him down to the bare basics. I mean, just to the core, who is Jody? Who is his foundation? May it be so that if Jody was stripped down to the bare essentials, what it would be is that Jody's life and family is founded on the things of God, the immovable foundation of God almighty. May we be people of God all the way to our core church. Jesse Fontenot, who we, we prayed for a minute ago, that's the oldest son of Philip and Cassie. 
he, uh, he does some work here with us at the church. He, uh, he changes air filters and light bulbs and stuff. So he's gonna be in Arkansas. Y'all just need to call him if you see a light bulb out or whatever. But, right? but he does that. And so he's around here a lot and I see him. And um, since this has been going on, this, this plan to move with them, several times I've asked Jesse, I said, are you excited about moving to Arkansas? And his answer is always the same. And uh, this, is, this is just kind of Jody boiling down to what I think he means by his answer. He'll look at me and say, it really doesn't matter what I think. Because if God told our family to go do something, that's what we're gonna do. Isn't that beautiful? The, the Fontenot children, I'm, I've talked to each one of them. Each one of them have said the thing, we're gonna miss our friends, we're gonna miss some things. But ultimately it was like, we live, we Fontenot's, our foundation, you, you strip us down to our bare, we're people who follow God. We are people who obey the voice of God. How many of you would love your family to be known for that? Amen, may it be all our desires. So, stones of remembrance, our life should be a memorial to God's power and goodness in our life. Next thing I wanna to talk to you about this morning is something that was very necessary in the old covenant, especially in the region that most of the Old Testament happened. It was a, that region, that area we know is a very a dry arid area and a very arid environment. And so it was important in that area that there be wells, a well to draw from. And if you look in the book of Genesis, you'll see a lot of mention of wells. Abraham was a well digger. Isaac was a well digger. He even redug some of his dad's wells because the enemy had tried to plug up the well that his dad built and he came and redug the well that his father dug and even called it by the same names. Come on. The enemy wants to clog up our wells, church. The enemy wants to stifle us. May there be generations behind us who will redig the old wells. Amen. But wells were important, and, and especially, again, in that arid, harsh environment, if you were raising, raising flocks, it would be important that strategically around your area there were, there were sources of water because you were in a region that, that water wasn't easily accessible on the surface, and so there had to be wells digging. So wells were an important, important part of, of, of life in that day. Well, we find... In John chapter seven, we see that Jesus says something, I believe, about wells in John chapter seven. Look with me at verse 37 of John seven. It says, on that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given but Jesus, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In John chapter seven, 
This was an area that they were familiar with wells. They knew the importance of wells, of having physical, natural water to draw from. But in this setting, Jesus stands up and he cries with a loud voice. He said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus identifies himself as a well in that moment. He says, if you need something to drink, you come to me. But he goes beyond that and he says, anyone that believes in me, they are also gonna become a well. Water's gonna begin flowing out of them so that there's all these, these mobile, portable wells distributed across the area. Church, listen to me. God has called you and I to be wells in the harsh environment of this world. See, wells are places where life comes forth. Wells are places of provision, and so Jesus identifies himself ultimately as the living water, but not only that, he then calls you and I. This is where the application happens for us today. You and I are called to be wells in the harsh environment of this world. That's our job. But you know what's interesting about well, a well is that, first of all, how a well is formed. I mean, how do you, how do you produce a well? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to dig down into the earth and you gotta start removing earth from a hole. Let me show you something real quick. In Bible symbolism, when you see earth, you know what it represents? Represents humanity. We were made from what? We were made from earth. And so to form a well, first thing that has to happen is Somebody's got to dig down into that earth and start pulling stuff out. Start doing some digging. Start doing some work. Come on, this is a sanctification process for you and I. We come to Jesus. He takes us just like we are. Hallelujah, he doesn't leave us just like we are. He gets to well digging. He starts digging down on the inside of us. Why? Because he needs to make us into something that would bless and benefit and bring life to others. Listen, this journey isn't just about you. It's about what you will produce for others. This is why we gotta have this understanding that we're living stones. We're not passive participants in this thing. No, we have been called to give our lives to him a living sacrifice so we can be productive in his kingdom, doing his business, making our life count for something bigger than ourselves. He's called us to be wells. He's got to do some work in us first. I'm going to at that person next to you. Tell them you're not a whale yet, but you're close. You just hang in there. You know another thing about wells? Listen to this. Wells don't produce water. They just give access to water. The water's down there. All the well does is make a way for people to get to the water. Come on now. There's no good thing in us. You know what water also symbolizes? Water, water symbolizes the spirit. You know what this is a picture of? It's a picture of believers who God is at work in their life and they don't produce anything, but sure they make, they make sure to posture their life in a way that gives access to others, to the spirit of God that's on the inside of us. Come on, spring in us, spring up in us a well that would water our family, that would water my wife, that would water my children, that would water my neighbors. May my life be worth something more than just Jody's pursuits. God has called us 
God has called us to be wells in this area. Water is symbolic of the spirit. Come on, after he saved you, he filled you with his spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's not just in us, we're in him, right? And then we go forth into this world. What are we doing? We're bringing life. We're bringing refreshing. We're bringing the spirit of God to you and I, our life should be stones of remembrance, a, a memorial that speaks of the goodness and the power and the authority of our, of our God. Our life, we should be a well bringing nourishment and life to those around us. I wanna give you one more picture really quick and this is one I'm really excited about because I found this passage of scripture, the Lord showed it to me um, back in 2005, I believe, and I love this passage. But it's dealing with the subject of an altar you find also in the Old Testament, you'll see as these, as these fathers of faith, as they traveled, they would build altars wherever they were. They would build altars. What is an altar? An altar is a place of encountering. It's a place where we encounter God. It's a place where we worship God. It's a place where we connect with God. So altars were important in the Old Covenant. But I found here in the book of Exodus, God is giving Moses instructions. He's telling him, okay, tell the people when, if they wanna approach God, if they wanna encounter God, here's how it needs to happen. Look with me in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be uh, with me gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves an altar of earth you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings your sheep and your oxen in every place where i record my name i will come to you and i will bless you and if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that your make nakedness may not be exposed on it. Tricky language there. Let me, let me show you what the word is saying right here. God is, is telling people who, who have a desire to have an encounter with him, people who want to approach God, people that wanna have a relationship with God. He says, okay, this is how you do it. First of all, I'm not interested in the gold and silver and the shiny gods. Don't need it. He's saying, don't make for yourself some statue, don't make for yourself something that you think is gonna draw my presence. He says, I don't want it. Here's what he says. He says, you wanna build something? Build me an altar of earth. What did I say to you a minute ago that earth represents? God is not interested in you having a gold altar in your house, but he is interested in your heart being his altar. He's interested in us and our very lives coming to him. Our heart, heart that says, Lord, I just... I just want to be near you. We sang it a minute ago. Lord, I want to know you. I want to be close to you. It's a posture of our heart that our very life is an altar. He goes on to say, though, if you get 
If you get really ambitious though, and you want to make an altar out of stone. So he says, make me an altar of earth, but kind of an alternate plan would be if you want to make me an altar of stone, make sure you use unhewn stones. Now, what does that mean? It means don't use stones that you have used tools to try to shape, to look a certain way. And he said this, actually, if you use your tool on it, you profaned it. What is he saying to us, church? He's saying, we just come to him as we are. Our righteousness is as as his filthy rags. There's no reason for us trying to shine ourselves up. No, we we come to him just as we are. I'm not trying to impress him. I'm not trying to bluff him. He knows who I am. So my job is just to present my life to him just as I am. Now, does that mean you'll never, you'll never change? No, there'll be work done on you. It just won't be done with your tools. It'll be done with his tools. What, what tool does he use? It's the sharp sword. It's the tool of his word. That's why we as believers need to be in the word of God. Not just on Sunday mornings, but we ought to have a daily life in the word of God, amen? Letting the tool work on us. So he says, I want you to just, you just come to me, just be an altar of earth or just be the stone that you are. And then listen to this, this is actually kind of funny. He says, if you build this altar, make sure that you don't build it in a way that would require steps to get up to it. Because he says this, if you do that, they may be able to look underneath your robe and see your hiney. That's exactly what he's saying. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't believe you said that in church. I just, that's literally, I mean, there's no more spiritual thing that he's saying than that. He's like, don't build this thing. What is that speaking of church? It's like, this thing doesn't have to be shiny and bright and high lifted. This isn't about me being something and me being prideful and elevating my name. No, all I do is I come to him in the humility of my humanity. And this is not about me. This is like John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase, right? And so this is about us living a life, not building something shiny and big and and trying to earn something from God. No, we come to him in humility. We come to him in our humanity. And we say this, Lord, above all else in my humanity, I want the presence of God. I want to encounter you. I want to host you. I want my life to be a memorial of remembrance of your power. I want to be a well that people can draw from around me and that'll bless the community. I want your name glorified above my name. It speaks to humility and a posture of heart that understands that you and I are just living stones in the hands of a master builder. And he is at work in our lives. If you appreciate that, give the Lord thanks right here.